0: al Bayan Radio presents the following lesson from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wassalatu salam ala rasulillah wa ala ali wa sallam. All praise due to Allah. May Allah send His peace and blessings upon His Father Messenger Muhammad sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Inshallah, uh, as you all aware that uh, we're in the eve of Eid, and I'm sure everyone's keen to um, go home, spend some time with their family, uh, and get prepared for Eid tomorrow, inshallah. So, inshallah, I'll try to be brief. Inshallah, some uh, points of uh, reminder for myself and for my fellow brothers and sisters of common mistakes that people fall into uh, when it comes to the day of Eid. Uh, first of all, I've, I've just uh, put together about 10 points, so inshallah, we'll get through them quickly. First point is some people of the belief that specifying the Eve of Eid with special prayers, qiyam prayers, is particularly virtuous. There is no evidence that is authentic from the Prophet Wasallam. There is weak and unreliable uh, uh, narrations, but there is nothing that is uh, يعني, uh, an acceptable narration of the Prophet Wasallam uh, or anything, any basis in the religion, uh, uh, any worthy basis, I should say, of specifying the eve of Eid with night prayers. Some people think that, you know, since everyone is busy uh, with enjoying themselves, that I'm going to resist that and I'm going to go do worship when no one else is probably thinking of that. Now, even though in some instances that sort of thinking is true in certain instances, but it's not true in everything. So, for example, some people might think, you know, that it might be... Most people on Eid, you know, they're enjoying themselves eating and drinking and things like that. I'm going to be different. I'm going to fast on the day of Eid and resist all the temptation to eat ma'amul and wara'anab and all of that. No, that doesn't, that's not a, a part of virtue. Okay? Uh, likewise, you need to deprive yourself of sleep and rest and halal enjoyment is not uh, from the religion. Unless a person normally is from his habit. To pray the night prayers, and that should be the habit of every Muslim. But to specify or to believe that there is special reward and special virtue, then this has no basis. So that's the first point. The second point uh, that I wanted to mention is non-attendance to the Eid prayer. And this is common with some people thinking it's not important to attend the Eid prayer. Uh, and the scholars are any uh, difference of opinion among some scholars who say that it's obligatory, and other scholars who say that it is sunnah muakkada to attend the Eid prayer. But definitely, it is something that is encouraged and commanded in the religion. And sometimes it's very important for a Muslim, you know, when it comes to commands, not to say, "Oh, is this obligatory or is it just recommended?" If it's recommended, I'm not going to do it. When it comes to the commands of the Prophet wasallam, we should take it as obligatory. And only sort of maybe uh, 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 look into whether it's something sinful not to do, or only if a person is really under a lot of hardship and distress and so on. But generally when the Prophet wasallam he commanded even the women, and the women who are menstruating and, per- and have postnatal bleeding, and the women who are in isolations and things like that, the, the, the virgins and the women who are Very shy and modest Even to take them out As in the hadith of Imam Atiyah Then how about the rest of the community Right So non-attendance to Eid prayer Is, uh, is a problem and so, and so this is a common mistake That people fall into Especially when it comes to Eid al-Adha You find a lot of people in Eid al-Fitr They go up But Eid al-Adha Even some people will say you know, Eid al-Adha I feel it's not it's like not really Eid they only consider Eid to be Eid al-Fitr because it comes after Ramadan. They've been fasting the whole month. And so so Eid is like something to celebrate. But Eid al-Adha, they feel like there's nothing to celebrate. That's because of their limitedness in their knowledge. And really Eid al-Adha is the great Eid. And even like in our uh, yani colloquial language, like the Lebanese they call, for example, their Eid al-Fitr, what do they call it? Eid al And Eid al-Adha... Eid al-Kabir, the big Eid. But if you look at the practice, what's the big Eid? Eid al-Futr is big. And Eid, al- Eid al-Adha is insignificant, it's almost nothing. Right? But this is opposite to the fact, the Prophet wasallam he said, The Prophet wasallam he said, the best day in the whole world is the day of Eid al-Nahar. يَوْمُ النَّحَرُ The day of Eid al adha It's the best day in the world. But you see, subhanAllah, how some people don't understand the significance of it. And so, some people might say, yeah, why is Eid al-Adha so important? Go and research why it's so important. Go and learn about the the meanings behind Eid al-Adha. Because when we celebrate Eid al-Adha, it's as if we are joining with those who are performing Hajj. It's not Hajj, the ultimate worship that every Muslim wishes he could do. And that's why... We have to pump ourselves up for Eid al-Adha by the 10 days of Dhul Hijjah and understand the greatness of Dhul Hijjah and the greatness of the Day of Arafah and to understand that we're in very holy days. And the practices that we do during the 10 days of Dhul Hijjah, it's like we're in Hajj. That's why we don't cut our nails or cut our hair when we're providing the Udhiyah That's why we do Udhiyah When they have a slaughter, but this called Al-Hadi. So it's like we're copying what the people do in Hajj So isn't it something to celebrate? Isn't it something that's great? If we're doing something similar to what the people in Hajj are doing? So this is part of the problem People are not understanding the significance of Eid Al-Adha So non-attendance to Eid Al-Adha is a big problem Especially non-attendance of women and children Some people they'll go out And they'll leave their wife and children at home They won't even prepare them or anything like that They'll say no, no Eid is just for men Where's this from? Eid is for everyone. It's for men and for women and for children, the whole family. Why? Because one of the meanings of Eid al-Adha, of Eid prayer, whether it's Eid al-Futr or Eid al-Adha, is for you to be a part of the community. It's a sign of you declaring your allegiance to Islam. When you go and you declare in front of everyone as you're walking, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar, wa alhamd. And this is the sunnah. To walk if you can. Right? And to take one path and go to another path. So that you show you're part of this community. You want to instill that meaning in your wife and in your children. So they feel they're part of the community. And especially in this society, when you have a lot of Muslims who grow up in this society, feel that they don't have an identity. And then they want to adopt... Non-Islamic identity, Western culture, because they want to feel part of the group. So it's very important for us to instill in ourselves, in our families, with our wives, with our children, that we are part of a group, we are part of an identity, we are part of a community. And it's a community we, we are worthy to be proud of. Because it represents a community not based on wealth, not based on status, not based on lineage, not based on, on, on race... Or nationalism It is a community and identity based on Faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And that's something worthy of being proud of Because that is what will matter on the day of judgment Doesn't matter what skin color you are Doesn't matter what passport you hold Doesn't matter how much money you had in your bank account All of that is for nothing What will matter and will stand for you Is are you one of those Muslims I stand with the Muslims now So that I'll stand with the Muslims on Yawm Al-Qiyamah And I will declare my faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And I am of the Muslims So attendance to Eid Is something very very important And it instills in our minds In the minds of our families In the minds of everyone These are the Muslims It's It's a show of strength It's a show of community And this is something very important So that the Muslims are not just this You know Insignificant You know Phenomenon In the society No The Muslims are Should be respected For who they are For their belief And for their practices The attendance is something Very important Uh, Another point Inshallah Point number three Of the common mistakes Is uh, Not providing the udhiyya For those who are able And one of the sheikhs He mentioned a beautiful point That we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala When we have the means And we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala By not having the means What does that mean? When we can't do something that Allah encourages us to do Because we can't This is a way of of showing our devotion to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So if we have the means to provide a uthiyah, a qurban Then we should do it so people shouldn't take it lightly and say, Oh, it's not, I heard it's not it's not obligatory, so I won't do it. This again goes back to that point that I mentioned before. Anything the Prophet ﷺ commanded and encouraged, we should take it as obligatory. We, should, we shouldn't take it lightly. We shouldn't say, Oh, is it is it obligatory? Would I get sinned if I don't? don't don't think like that? That's not a healthy way for a Muslim to think. minhu This is what the Prophet ﷺ, he said. What I command you to do, then do of it as much as you can. Don't think is a fard or sunnah, is it wajib or not. No. So providing the, the, the udhiyah if you can. Habit if you can't, you shouldn't feel sad. Because this is what Allah has tested you with. And you should say, Oh Allah, that you have, I have you have tested me in providing the udhiyah, and you are the one who has ordained my fa- financial situation that I can't. Alhamdulillah. So I have fulfilled my obligation. Do you understand what that means? Like the one... It's like, I'll give you another example When it comes to fasting Ramadan If you have, if you're healthy, do you fast or not? You fast How about if someone is sick and he doesn't fast Ramadan Should he feel sad? Should he feel guilty? Should he feel sinful, I'm not fasting? He shouldn't Why? Because the one who commanded you to fast Commanded you not to fast if you're sick So are you fulfilling the commandment of Allah or not? This is what we have to understand. And so some people, they feel really sad and they feel really guilty. I can't do a uthiya or whatever it is. This, is. this is not how a Muslim should think. Some people would even say that I should go take a loan so that I can buy a uthiya and provide a uthiyah for it. This is wrong. You weren't commanded to do this. And especially if it is a loan that has riba in it, and you're doing something haram to do something religious. How how does that make sense? Even if it's a loan that's non-interest based, this as well is not is discouraged because we're discouraged in the Sharia to get into debt. We shouldn't get into the debt into debt willfully and unnecessarily. The Prophet ﷺ, he used to seek Allah's protection from getting into debt. And the companions they say, how often do you, O Rasulullah, seek Allah's protection from debt? Like it's all the time, Rasulullah he used to say, min al-maghram." Allahumma min al-maghram. الدين وقهر الرجال. All of these words, al-maghram is to get into debt. What dain is to is, is debt? So many, so much. The companions they said, "So much." You're so excessive in asking Allah to protect you from debt. He said because when a person gets into debt, he lies, he lies, uh, uh, he speaks, and he lies, and he promises and he breaks his promise. Don't we see that when someone says Yalla i pay next week And he lies eh, it, oh, I had the money just when I get my tax return Because he can't He'd like to pay but he doesn't So he, he's forced then to lie He's forced to promise and break his promise Because he gets into Don't get into debt in the first place So you don't commit these sins And so we shouldn't get into debt to do the uthiya Another thing that's related to the uthiya Is sacrificing the uthiya before salah the Prophet ﷺ, he said, whoever uh, does the uthiyah before salah, then it is not a valid uthiyah. It's just like a slaughter that you make for meat, yani that you buy normal meat that you eat for your family. But whoever does the uthiyah after the salah, then it is an accepted uthiyah. Then it is an accepted uthiyah. So, so we have to do the uthiyah after the salah. If we're going to do it ourselves, and if we've entrusted someone to do it on our behalf, then we make sure they they do it after the salah. The fourth point is cutting the hair and the nails, especially for the one who's providing the uthiyah, because the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentioned in the hadith that the one who intends to do uthiyah should not take any of his hair or his nails until he makes a sacrifice. So you have some brothers, oh my nails are growing a bit long, my moustache is getting a bit long, I forgot to cut my nails before, so now they're extra long, and now I'm going to go to Eid, I've got to look schmick. I've got to look, you know, perfect. So he will disobey this recommendation of the Prophet Even though the majority of the scholars, they say, that it's not this command, wasn't an, uh, an absolute command, wasn't in, an emphatic command. But still, as I mentioned before, the commands of the Prophet wasallam we should try to uphold them out of honoring the words and the commands of the Prophet wasallam And we shouldn't يعني, uh, 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 fail in, in fulfilling them unless there is some really pressing issues. okay Especially in those issues that it is not decisive in its, in its uh, obligation or its prohibition. Okay, so being laxed in this issue But as for those who are not providing the uthiyah Like some people say, I'm doing the uthiyah Does that mean I can't get my kids to have a haircut? Does that mean my wife can't cut her nails? or anything? No, it's got nothing to do with them Only the one who's providing the uthiyah Okay, so they should fulfill this And they shouldn't be laxed in it for the sake of looking, you know You know, sharp on Eid it doesn't, You don't have to look the sharpest As long as you're good enough But if your nails are like poking people's eyes out and your hair is, you know, it's got fleas in it and stuff, then maybe we can look into it. But other than that, you should be all right. Point number five. Uh, Before that, inshallah, uh, another very common misconception or or practice that people do, and I I honestly don't know where they've got it from, (laughs) is visiting the graves on the Day of Eid. Visiting the graves on the Day of Eid. This has no basis in the Sharia. The Prophet ﷺ did not specify the Eid day to visit the grave. Now, does that mean we shouldn't visit the grave? No, generally, we're encouraged to visit the grave. The Prophet said, visit the graves because it reminds you of the hereafter. So, generally, we should visit the graves. But the problem is, like what I spoke about in the first point, specifying the Eve, the night before Eid, for night prayers doesn't that mean that we shouldn't pray night prayers. Generally, Pray night prayers. Generally, visit the graves, but don't specify the day of Eid. The whole year, you don't visit the graves. Only on the day of Eid, you go and you visit the graves. This is not recommended. They say so that we can, you know, we can go and uh, ayed the people who have died. Do You think the people who have died they care about your Eid? What do the people in the grave care about? They they care. They're waiting for your du'a. They're waiting for you to ask Allah to give, to, to give them forgiveness and mercy. They're waiting for your, good, for your charity on their behalf. This is what will benefit them. For you to go and say, Happy Eid. And, uh, Wallahi, you see some amazing things people do on, uh, at the graveyards. Whether it's in Eid or other than that. They go on their birthday and they put candles and they put flowers. and, and What's the flowers going to do? Do you think the, poor, the, the, the person in their grave, they're smelling the flowers? They're looking at the flowers. Do you think they care about the flowers? Wallahi, the only person that benefits from the flowers is the florist that you bought it off. He's the only person that benefits from the flowers. Waste. It's like throwing money on the floor. Who would do that in their right mind? Has no benefit. Did the Prophet Wasallam Teach us to do this to go and buy flowers. Where do we get this from? Because we saw the non-Muslims do this. It has no basis in our tradition. See how much people go on their on the anniversary of their death or on their birthday and they go and they put candles, or you find that they go and they put something he, he still like, you know, cars, so they put a little toy car on his grave or whatever. You know, this is all yani al, small, small thoughts, small brains. Do what the what Islam teaches you to do. What benefits the person is du'a. What benefits the person is giving charity on their behalf. All of these things, visiting them on their, you know, uh, visiting them on Eid, so that they don't feel we visited the whole family and we forgot about them. So we go and we visit them. Eid Mubarak. A oh person in the grave. What's he? What's he going to benefit from that? Make du'a for them and and and. It doesn't have to be on the Eid day You make dua for them any day But, but especially since it's become a norm So a Muslim should avoid that So it's not to say Well since it's generally allowed Then I'm going to go So it's not haram to go on the Eid day No, because it's become a norm You should resist what people are doing So as not to encourage them And especially Alhamdulillah I've never been But from the stories of hear that, that, that there's more people in the graveyard Than there are praying Salat al Eid The people all on top of each other. So many people and women come dressed in an inappropriate way, and and sometimes it becomes like a hangout. Maybe you can find something you didn't expect there. I don't know. Allahu Alam. But anyway, visiting the graves has no basis. To specify the Eid day for visiting the graves has no basis in the religion. The next point is. Especially in regards to the females wearing perfume and makeup on Eid, whether it's attending the Eid prayers, or even if they're not attending the Eid prayers, even when they're going and visiting their family and their friends, I've got to get dressed up, wearing, putting on perfume and makeup and tight clothes and, and attractive clothes. Uh, then this is as well something that's not allowed. The Prophet ﷺ forbade the, the, the women from wearing strong perfume that, that men can smell. If, if, someone, if, if you pass by a group of men they can smell you, then there are severe warnings in the Sharia against this. The Prophet ﷺ has narrated that if a woman, she walks out of her, her house perfumed and she walks by a group of men, then it's as if she, is a, she, she has committed fornication. وَالْعِيَاذُ بِاللَّهِ So it's not something that's appropriate wearing makeup uh, because makeup is only done to attract sexual attention. Or else what's the motivation of it? So these type of things uh, should be avoided. Wearing tight and revealing clothing as well. Now some of the brothers mentioned that now even some, I was gonna say men, but really it's hard to say men, wearing tight clothing. And fashionable, so-called fashionable clothing That is, nowadays the, the, the distinction between male and female Has been has been now warped So, even this goes for the men Of wearing inappropriate clothing The clothing should be decent and respectable And according to the standards of the Sharia Both for clothing for men and for women um, The next uh, point, point number six or uh, it'll be point number seven, is uh, intermixing between males and females. Unnecessary intermixing or casual intermixing between males and females. Oh, this is my cousin, and this is my brother-in-law, and this is my so-on, and this is my so-on, and they're like friends and talking and, 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 and gossiping casually. Right? This is inappropriate. The Prophet وسلم, he said, Beware of entering upon women. إِيَّاكُمُ الدخول على النساء. Beware of entering upon women. They said, Walhamu, how about the in-laws? You go to your parents' house if you're married and your brothers and your sisters are married, and you know the brothers brothers in laws are there, sister in laws, how about like we're all in one house, you know, we're visiting our parents or whatever it is. How about if they are in laws? He said, Alhamwul Maut. The in-laws are death. And so, so you should be aware of intermixing and casual intermixing between the in-laws just like you would be aware of death. Because how much corruption has happened between inappropriate interactions between in-laws. And they are destructive to families. And so we should be aware of this. Whether it's within our... Some people say, it's only my... Uh, brother-in-law Or sister-in-law Or cousin Or whatever it is That you should be aware Of these inappropriate interactions More than you be aware Of inappropriate interactions With other So if we have to be aware of it We have to be aware of it With, with everyone And especially shouldn't put our guard down When we say Oh we're just family No it's my sister-in-law Nothing's going to happen Who said that? The shaitan works Very very carefully Okay So uh, Inappropriate Intermixing Casual Inappropriate, uncalled for, unnecessary Intermixing uh, between the genders uh, Shaking hands Or greeting, especially like the Lebanese culture They you know kiss each other on the cheek This is my cousin, this is my auntie you know, Auntie meaning, and you know, in, in English auntie can mean a hundred different people But what I mean by auntie is someone that is, isn't mahram for you Like your uncle's wife or whatever She'll get upset, this is the sharia is more important uh, uh, yeah, and We're all in that situation Sometimes Some family members oh, I've raised you since you were a baby And you're like my son And whatever Yes yeah, and I respect you And honor you And whatever But the sharia is more worthy of me For, for me to honor it And so uh, yeah, and Physical contact And, and, and greeting uh, Physical greeting uh, Whether that's shaking hands Or hugging Or kissing uh, On the cheek Whatever uh, between non-mahrams is something that people... Oh, because it's Eid, it's okay. No, it doesn't, doesn't make it okay. Uh, point number eight. Um, tit-for-tat visiting. Tit-for-tat visiting. Uncle so-and-so didn't visit me last Eid, so this Eid, I'm not going to visit him. Tit-for-tat visiting. Tit-for-tat gift giving. My brother-in-law didn't get me a gift last Eid, I'm not going to give him a gift for ta you know Who knows what Eidia is? It's the money that we give the kids for Eid. Uncle so and so gave my kids a hundred dollars, so I'm gonna give his kids a hundred dollars. Uncle so and so makes a thousand dollars a week. Enter, mashallah, you make ten thousand dollars a week. No, but what he gives, I give. How can you compare the two? This is from being greedy. When we give a gift We give a gift Not because he gave The Prophet sallallahu He said ليس, uh, uh, the, the, hadith, uh, in, uh, the meaning of the hadith is That when you reciprocate That's not wasl al-arham When you just reciprocate Someone does something You do something back That's not wasl al-arham That's not part of Being a good a, 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 a relative Or fulfilling your, your relations But rather The good relative The one who fulfills the relations And connects the ties of kinship قطع, To connect with the one who cuts you off Uncle so-and-so didn't visit me last Eid I'm going to go and visit him I don't care if he didn't visit me Maybe there was a reason Maybe he wasn't able to Maybe he was sick Maybe he had too much ma'amul and aneb and he his stomach couldn't cope with it. Which has happened. Right? And even, let's say he didn't, let's say he doesn't like you. So what do you do? Don't like him back? Or you go and you be the better person and you go and you say, and maybe that gesture of you, that opens his heart. This... One for one, tip for tap. You do for me, I do for you. You don't do for me, I don't do for you. This is wrong. What you do, I do. I won't do more than what you do. This is wrong. Because when it comes to visiting, I visit for the sake of Allah. Even if you hurt me, even if you harm me, even if you spoke about me behind my back, even whatever, I do it for the sake of Allah. You give me a gift, alhamdulillah. You didn't give me a gift and I gave you a gift, Alhamdulillah, because I don't give you a gift because of your gift. I give you a gift because, Alhamdulillah, I was able, I was free, I was able to do what I thought of. it. Maybe that person, he's struggling financially. Maybe he didn't have a chance. Maybe he was too busy. Maybe he couldn't think of a gift for you. Whatever the case is, it shouldn't be something that prevents you from giving a gift or feeling upset. I got him a gift and then I don't want to give him a gift because he didn't give me a gift. And why do you give idiyya to the kids? Isn't it to show your love for them? You give what you're able to. Wallahi, I remember when we were younger, some of our relatives that give us one dollar and two dollars they say it's gold. Because it has gold content in it. Alhamdulillah, they give what they are able to. Because you don't know people's situations. And some people have more, يعني, you might have a small family, and so it's easy for you to, to give, but other people have large family, they have more commitments. Whatever the case is, whatever you give, if you're giving, you're giving it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you give within your means. If your means are uh, easy, you give as as much as what is comfortable for you. At the end of the day, it's not obligatory for you to give. And this is something that I want to mention as well. Nowadays, in some families, Eid giving has become almost like Christmas. It's almost like now you have to have Gifts. And they wrap it up And they put it under a Eid tree I don't know where they got this Eid tree from All of this because they're imitating Christmas Where do I have this in the religion? There's no obligation to give any gifts Even Eidiyah Back in the olden days They didn't used to give Eidiyah What they would give is Ma'mul Ma'mul was the Eidiyah That was the special thing The special treat Huh? No one makes Ma'amul, you can buy it from the shops. But alhamdulillah, dunya fiya khair, alhamdulillah. Uh now. Number nine is people indulging in haram entertainment. People indulging in haram entertainment. They say, Alhamdulillah Ramadan's over, now it's party time. Alhamdulillah, ten days of the are over, now it's Now you can't don't. Get all religious and say, Eid, we have to enjoy ourselves. And they indulge in haram. Sometimes even major haram. Or minor haram. Whatever it is. Haram entertainment, haram indulgences. Haram desires. You shouldn't make Eid an opportunity or an excuse to commit haram. Right? Because Eid should be a rejoicing. In the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, In the gifts of Allah In that Allah blessed us To worship Him And to do acts of worship Number 10 Some people say I'm not doing haram I'm doing halal But as well Excessiveness in halal Should be avoided What does that mean Excessiveness in halal? What I mean by that Is they go out, all out They're having their family over They have let's say Uh, Let's say 20 people in their family Of their brothers and sisters and their kids and whatever 20 people, 30 people They make enough food for 100 Why? Because they got the money They want to show it They want everyone to eat and get full And the table still looks like it's untouched And then that makes them You know Feel good, That see how much money I have This type of arrogance and excessiveness Is haram Someone says no but it's food, it's halal But at the end of the day, what's going to happen when that food gets chucked out? Or that a person goes into debt and overspends what is within their limits because they want to keep up with the Joneses, as they say. They want to keep up with the the Abdullahs. They want to do what everyone else is doing. No, don't put yourself in hardship because you want to keep up with other people. This is well when you put yourself in and you overspend what is within your means and sometimes even getting into debt, this is also haram because Al-Israf and Tabdeer Now in terms of halal, then Eid is for indulging in halal And this is something as well, another probably I can add to this without making an, an extra point that to be too strict is not allowed as well in Naid. Eid to say, no, this is, you know, not necessarily it's haram, it's halal, but we shouldn't do it. Like in the time of the Prophet wasallam, Aisha had some of her friends over and they were playing with the daf, the duf, which is a small drum. And they were hitting the drum and singing, yani, uh, celebratory songs, Eid songs, whatever it is. And Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu anhu he said, "Amazamir al-Shaytan fi bait Rasul And they got scared. And because Abu Bakr is the father of Aisha radiyallahu, and Rasulullah sallallahu was sleeping, had his head covered in the, and so Abu Bakr didn't know Rasulullah sallallahu was there. And then the Prophet sallallahu got up and he said, "Abu Bakr, leave them, because let it be known that the Muslims have a Eid. Let the non-Muslims who live in our community know that the Muslims have a Eid, and you have some people they go into they become super strict. No, don't enjoy yourself. Don't go to the, you know, uh, to the Eid show, whatever, or the fireworks because yeah, it's not haram, but we shouldn't. This is waste of money. Part of enjoyment in Eid is to التوسع, is to loosen up a bit, but not loosen up to the haram, not to be excessive. But to loosen up in that which is halal Not to be so conservative You might be conservative in your life But now it's the time to you know, Loosen up, loosen the belt a bit Loosen your pockets a bit Give your kids some money Your family some money To go and to spend a little bit Different than maybe what they used to Buy gifts yani for, your, for your wife, for your children, for your parents Maybe other than what you're used to التوسع على العيال Yani, this is something that's encouraged in the Eid okay? but not being excessive as I've explained to be wasteful or to spend beyond your means this is something that's against the religion or to yani, spend in haram this as well definitely is haram whether it's yani, in, uh, in Eid or otherwise so there are just some points inshallah I wanted to share with my brothers and sisters inshallah uh, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, to forgive us for our shortcomings وَمَا uh, كَانَا وما كان من حق فهو من الله وما كان من خَطَائِنَ فمن ومن الشيطان والله ورسوله منه براء والله عالم صلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وسلم سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك أن This program was presented by Al Radio The Voice of Al Sunnah wal Jamaa